You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Maybe, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy J's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. Welcome back. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. I want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine Monday through Friday. I, John Corrales of MassLive.com, will be here for you wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. If you're in the gym, at work, in the car, I will provide you a podcast Monday through Friday so you can listen and get your Boston Celtics fix. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm doing that after a 118-95 Celtics win over the Cleveland Cavaliers to finish their preseason 4-0. And uh, if you didn't see this game, then you missed one hell of a performance from Carson Edwards. That dude went off in the third quarter. He had 26 points in the third quarter alone. He finished the game with 30 26 points, he dropped six straight threes. Like, before you knew it, you just, you, he hit a three, and if you weren't paying attention, it's like, oh, wait, is that his sec- third three in a row? Next you know, it was six threes in a row. Then he missed, like, a wide open one. Then he hit one from, like, 30 feet out. Uh, and then he started doing other things, which was amazing. You know, sending back picks, uh, making other plays, assisting on plays, driving to the basket, uh, really, I mean, you're not going to see many better quarters than that played by anybody. So 26 points in the third quarter of this game to drop 30 overall after really a rough first half for Carson Edwards. Uh, he was joined by Tremont Waters. Both of those guys shot 62.5%, uh, 10 of 16, exactly each of them, 10 of 16. So they combined to shoot 20 of 32 that's really good. And Waters did most of his damage going to the rim. He shot 3 of 8 from 3, where Edwards shot 9 of 15. If this were a regular game, an official game, that would have been a record-tying performance. But since it's preseason, it doesn't really matter. So he'll just have to do it again in the regular season. Tremont Waters, 24 points, 7 assists, a couple of steals, did have 3 turnovers, but he had a very nice performance uh, as a real pest defensively, uh, a table setter offensively, a guy who showed he can get to the rim. So a nice job there. Uh, other guys of note, Grant Williams, I thought in the first quarter he was going to go off. And then he didn't really do much after that. But his eight points all came in the first quarter. He had five assists, three rebounds. The thing about Grant's game, he was two of three from three, which, uh, you know, 
looking for positive things. He was struggling to hit his threes, hitting two of three. It's something he's obviously been working on and something that I was looking for. Any positive steps forward, that, that's great. So Grant Williams had uh, had that performance in the first quarter, some work in the post where he did some, some good things. It played pretty well defensively. Uh, didn't get blown by on the perimeter like we saw before. In fact, Colin Sexton tried to take him off the dribble, and he didn't. So that was a, a nice performance. We also saw, I thought, a, a pretty decent game from Vincent Poirier, who finished the game with eight points, uh, six rebounds, three assists. He had a couple of steals, a couple of blocks, uh, only two of two officially from the from the field, but he did draw six free throws, which was, along with Javante Green, Brad Wanamaker, the most on the team for the night. So he was attacking, he was doing things. I liked what Poirier was doing. I don't know that he showed enough to make that starting decision difficult, but I think what Poirier showed was at least some comprehension of what the Celtics are trying to do, and at least offensively, you know that he can get in there and he'll set picks, very, very active pick setter, and roll to the rim hard. And you know, one of the fouls that he drew was on an alley-oop attempt, and that was very good to see. So positive things out of uh, Poirier. Other notes before I get a little bit more in-depth. Uh, Javante Green was okay, uh, better than Max Struess. And I'll talk more about them later, but Javante Green, 16 points, 9 rebounds. And Struz had 6 points on 2 of 5 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3. Taco Fall played 17 and a half minutes. Really didn't do anything anything special. Uh, he had 4 turnovers. He, had, he, he really made 1 basket. He was 3 of 4 from the line, which is good. Uh, and only 2 rebounds, a couple of fouls. Uh, just, just a kind of nothing game from Taco Fall. It was very anti what we've seen from Fall. There was no chanting. Uh, there were no Celtics fans in the arena. There was no any fans in the arena. There was just an empty uh, rocket mortgage fieldhouse, whatever the hell they're calling that place now. Uh, I don't know what changes an arena to a fieldhouse. It's the same damn building. What's the difference? I don't know. But... Somehow it became a field house, and nobody was in the field house for that game. So fall checked in. There weren't any real cheers or a couple of boos even, which was kind of interesting. That was new, but fall went in there and didn't do a whole lot. Um, that's about it. Brad Wanamaker did a, a nice job, really nice defensively. He had uh, four assists, a couple of steals. Kind of a typical Brad Wanamaker game. Nothing, nothing really particularly great, but solid. As Brad Stevens said, he's a pro. He's a pro. Uh, and one other note, Robert Williams only played three minutes because he took an inadvertent elbow from Kevin Love to the head. He left with what they were calling concussion-like symptoms, which I don't know what that is. And Brad Stevens, after the game, said he didn't know what that was. But I guess when you get an elbow to the head, whatever headache type of sensitivity to light or whatever it is 
he had concussion-like symptoms. It's not a concussion per se, but we'll learn more tomorrow or later on today whenever you're listening. On Wednesday, we'll learn more about what's uh, what the situation was with Robert Williams. They didn't make it seem like it was a big deal, but he definitely was dazed. And so if it's a concussion, it is a big deal. Uh, and Shemi Ojale played and, uh, you know, was was okay. Did nothing, nothing great. Three of seven shooting, over two from three. He didn't have any particularly great stretches. So a, a very blah summer, I mean, uh, preseason for Shemi Ojale. I mean, really was a, a blah preseason for Ojale. I, I can't... I can't really put it any differently. Four games. It, you look at all of his preseasons. None of them have been particularly good. He's he's played the same amount of time. Um, he he had this is the most aggressive that he's been, taking seven shots per game. Um, he he hasn't hit. He hasn't hit anything. <laughs> he shot thirty two percent this preseason. Shot twenty two percent from three. Uh, just I, I hate to say it because I like Shemi Ojale. The Celtics could use Shemi Ojale. They could really use him being good. A 3 and D wing slash 4 slash maybe small ball 5 if they go super small. They could use him being effective. They need him to be effective. But he has not been. And I am struggling to see how he will be. I mean, there's just been no real sign of progression. Okay, that's fine if he was really good at the things he's supposed to do. Like, some guys just come into the NBA and they are what they are. And it's okay to come in and be who you are if you're a 3 and D wing. And you just never be, never grow beyond a 3 and D wing. But he's not only not progressing, he's not even being, he's not even really a good 3 and D wing. He has had moments with the D and he's super strong and he can go out there and be a big muscular brick wall that you can throw at somebody like Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is wild to say because here's a guy that struggles in so many aspects of the game offensively, but defensively he does have those fundamentals. He does have that ability and that strength to go up against the league MVP and for short bursts be effective. You know, not like he's not going to stop Giannis, but he's going to be a speed bump. And and (laughs) that's more than a lot of people can be. Um, He's at least got that strength. But if he's not going to do that all the time and then be a net positive on the other end, it's just I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the whole Shemi Ojale thing. And it sucks because I like Shemi Ojale. That dude works his ass off. He's a nice guy who works hard and and I think wants to be really good. But there's just something. It's just not happening for him. 
So I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for him this season. I don't know what that means as far as the Celtics decision making process. Uh, they have decisions to make, and I don't know what that is going to mean for him. When we come back, I will get more into the performances by Carson and Tremont and some of the other things that we saw in this game and in this preseason. So stick around for that. And remember, Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So Carson Edwards did what he did in this game and was very good. And as Brad Stevens said after the game, and this is an important point to make, that all of this came after a bad first half for Carson Edwards. It all came after a first half where he just struggled. He struggled with his shot. He struggled with, I think, uh, his mentality a little bit. Like, I think he was just a little flustered. He was fouling. He got his, his nose busted. Like, so he, it, I don't know if it was broken, but he got it bloodied. And it was just a bad first half. And and I didn't tweet it, but I was going to. And then I got caught up in some other stuff that was happening in the game. But I was going to say, like, this is this is really the worst we've seen Carson Edwards in the preseason. And the lesson that Brad Stevens said was, it's good to learn as a coach that a guy can come back from something like that and get hot. And as Brad put it, sometimes guys don't have it. And when they don't have it, they just don't have it and it's done. But Carson, as we learned in this game, he cannot have it. And then all of a sudden, he has it. It's just that quick. He just needs one to go through. And when we were talking, me and Tom, in yesterday's podcast, Tom's Tom's a shooter. I played. I know what it's like to get into a zone. When all of a sudden you feel that ball coming off your hand and you just know it's going in. Oh, baby, that is such a good feeling. When you just know that it's going in, that confidence, when it's flowing through you as a shooter, that's that's powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. When Carson Edwards is feeling that, then watch out. And it... It doesn't take much for Carson Edwards to get that confidence. And even though something's not falling for him in a game, that confidence is around the corner. And why that's important for a coach to know, it means that, and it's important for Carson Edwards, because it means that a coach can trust him to figure it out. Okay? A coach can look at that player and say, okay, he's missed a few shots. Uh, He doesn't look like he has it, but I'm going to let him kind of ride this out. I'm going to give him a little bit more rope. And it's 
maybe a risk, but the reward is there. Like you can say, nah, we're not going to, we're not going to play this player because he just doesn't have it. And when he doesn't have it, uh, forget it. And you know that there are players like that. Their, their confidence gets sapped and their, their shoulders slump and it's just like, oh, forget it. Uh, but Carson can recover from that quickly because that confidence can be there in a click. So that means that Brad Stevens can trust him. And now, as we were saying in, the, in yesterday's podcast, when you look at the way the Celtics are now seemingly constructed, you have... Uh, Cantor and Smart coming off the bench and you throw Edwards into that mix and you maybe throw a couple of other shooters in there. Now you've got a post guy with some shooters around him. Cantor plays a little bit more of a traditional game, but with the shooters, you can't double him. And if you do double him, then you pay a price. So all of a sudden, Carson Edwards' role on this team seems to be a little bit more important than it was coming into the preseason. Uh, The projections that we had before were a little bit off because my initial thought was Cantor would be a starter, but they are going a different direction. I thought Cantor would be a guy that was one of the scorers on the floor and they might try something with that four spot, but instead they're going to put the four scorers one through four and they're going to have that, that five spot, Daniel Tice, be a guy that has to do the other dirty work and just gets overflow offense. So that's how the Celtics have decided to run it. So now that Cantor is in the second unit, now the shooting on that second unit becomes a little bit more important because now the guy in the post has got to have that space. So now Carson becomes that guy. Uh, and that's that's really important. The other thing that we saw in this in this game is Tremont Waters. Now, again, this is against Cleveland, so I don't want to go too crazy in the overreactions. But I do like what I see out of Tremont, Water, Tremont Waters, it, even against the Cavaliers. Like, he's still busting Colin Sexton. I mean, he's out there busting lottery picks, top picks. And the thing about Tremont... We saw it in Summer League, and we saw it over and over and over again. Uh, I've been calling him shifty from day one, and that, I think, is going to be the word that kind of becomes pervasive in describing Tremont Waters. I mean, that dude just balls out, and the thing about his control, his body control, his control of the tempo of the game is really top-notch. Like, that's hard to do, as a, especially as a rookie and as a small guy who, uh, has, uh, who is a second-round pick. You, you might not think that he can do that, but Tremont Waters can control the tempo while he's out there. He can, he can go up-tempo in a half-court. He has defenders guessing, and he'll have problems against like the really, really good defenders out there. And his size might come into play at some point, but it's not like he's he's five five. You know, he he's just under six feet tall, which is a you know, small, but I mean he's he's bigger than Isaiah Thomas. He's bigger than some other guys. So yeah, he's smaller, but 
he can go out there and control the tempo of a game, which means he can keep his defender at bay, off balance. He can find guys with passes. He can orchestrate an offense. And he moves at his pace, and the rest of that offense kind of moves around that same pace. And so that is an impressive quality to have for uh, a guy uh, selected in the second round. I'm, I'm surprised. If he was 6'5", he would have been a lottery pick, and he would be a good lottery pick. I mean, that skill set, uh, I don't want to overstate it, but it, it's also like it's it's very impressive. It's very impressive. The, Brad Stevens said it in Summer League. He continues to say it. I completely agree. He has a feel for the game that is hard to find in players. Like, if you put Tremont Waters' feel for the game in Jalen Brown, that guy would be an MVP. Okay? Like, that's how much I believe in Tremont Waters' feel for the game. You put that in the uh, a Jalen Brown body and the Jalen Brown ability to do some of these things, like that make that's an MVP type of player. So Tremont's going to be on the two way deal, and I expect him to stay on the two way deal. However, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at some sort of outside chance at upgrading that at some point. And it may be, you know, an injury thing if if Wanamaker or Smart or Kemba have any sort of extended time off. But to have a guy out there that can run an offense, I mean, you just can run an offense flat out. That you you can back off the guy and he can he'll shoot. Like that's the other thing is that he can shoot. You know, he hit three of eight threes in this game. He's he's been able to to hit shots. And in fact, in this preseason, he's hit um, let's see. Well, he's shooting about 31% from three. He's hit, what's the number total? Four of 13. So if he hits a couple more of those, then the numbers look really good. Like if he, if he hits two more of those threes, then it becomes a 50% type shooting. So it's a small sample size, but he can, he can hit the three for sure. And he shot, he shot 54 and a half percent from the field. Uh, I I believe that he can run an offense. So maybe not this year, maybe not next year, or maybe it is next year. But uh, wherever whatever happens, like Tremont Waters is going to get paid a lot of money to play basketball. I, I don't know how his entire career plays out, but Tremont Waters will get paid a lot of money to play basketball. By the time he retires, he'll have had a nice career somehow, some way, and we'll see... Uh, if that, how much of that ends up being with the Boston Celtics at the NBA level. Going to take a break, going to come back, going to finish things up with some more observations from the Summer League and from this game. I'm, I keep saying Summer League from preseason. It was the Summer League Celtics out there, and I keep saying Summer League from preseason and the rest of preseason. Uh, a reminder to go subscribe to the Locked On NBA show all week long. It is a series of division-by-division previews. I am previewing the Boston Celtics and also the entire Atlantic Division and the Southeast Division. And it's going to be all of the Locked On local experts, the local hosts, and some of us on the Locked On NBA level, the national podcasts, 
giving our expertise on the overall preview. So go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever podcasts are available. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. It was nice to see Grant Williams play the way he played in the first quarter. Uh, to see him play uh, the way he, he did defensively was, was good. To see him work outside and inside was good. I still believe that Grant Williams is has surpassed Shemi Ojale, and I I kind of trust him a little bit more in some ways, not as much in others, but I think it's it's close. If if he hasn't surpassed Ojale yet, I think he will soon. And I think the, the saving grace for Ojale is familiarity with what Brad Stevens is trying to do. He's had a couple of years under Stevens to just like Tice, that same familiarity is what gives him an advantage. Ojale being able to uh, understand the defensive calls, the rotations, the what what the the Celtics want from that position can give him an advantage. But Grant Williams is a quick study. He's a smart kid, and you see him figuring out how to angle his body and stay in front of guys. That that's starting to happen, and it was a problem earlier in the preseason, and it's less of a problem now. So. It will still continue to be a problem against different guys that he switches onto. I'm not saying it's fixed, but the fact that he went from getting burned by players on the Cavaliers to not getting burned by players in the Cavaliers, sign of progress. Now, it's still players in the Cavaliers, so everybody understands that, but any little step forward is positive progress. For a guy who still hasn't played his first official NBA game yet, that sign of progress, that's good. That's important. And also, Grant Williams hitting his threes. Important. He hit two of three from three in this uh, in this game. And he's starting to slowly figure that out. And as long as he can continue to make little bits of progress, that's going to be important. His five assists was a big deal, I think. Big deal. Because his passing, that's something that Ojale does not have at all. And if they're competing for the same minutes and for the same position, that's going to be another important thing. A guy who can make a positive impact. Like in this game, and single game plus minus is what it is. I know it's flawed and I don't want to make too big a deal of it. But Shemi Ojale played 26 and a half minutes. Grant Williams played 23 minutes. They both took, uh, Ojale took seven shots. Williams took six. They both hit three. They both scored eight points. Grant Williams is a plus 20. Shemi Ojale was a plus 11. Like there, there's something just there that I, I know you can pick out certain stats and say, I want to believe it, but Shemi Ojale had no assists. Grant Williams had five in three less minutes. So he had a block. Uh, he also committed three fouls and Ojale committed none, but just Grant Williams seems to have a positive impact whenever he's out on the floor. That's not always 100% true. There are times when he struggles, and because we see so much of the positive stuff, we overlook some of that. I get that. But 
Grant Williams generally has a positive impact. I also do not like what Shemi Ojale has done on the floor with his just really aggressive pursuit of his own offense. So that's why I feel like Grant Williams has kind of overtaken Shemi Ojale. Um, and even if Brad Stevens doesn't agree, I feel like he will agree soon. Uh, Max Struess versus Javante Green. Struess did not do anything to kind of solidify his spot. Javante Green definitely did more. He shot 6 of 10. Uh, missed all three of his threes, though. He's 4 of 6 from the line. 9 rebounds, so 16 points, 9 rebounds, and assists to turnover. Javante definitely played better. Javante has had a better preseason. If this is the tie-breaking game, then Javante broke the tie. That is, in I think that's kind of the consensus. I think that Struess has a better singular ability in that he is generally a, a really good shooter. And if you're looking for a guy at the end of the bench, you're looking for a guy that's going to have one great skill. So Struess as a shooter at the end of the bench for your team. Yeah, I, I get that. I get why keeping him makes sense. Javante Green has this level of athleticism, which we've all seen with all of his dunks, but we saw it in this game with his ability to drive and draw the fouls. And there was this caveat in that it's the last preseason game and these Cavs didn't give a shit, so they were hacking, they were not playing tough defense, some of these things might not work against better teams, but still Green's ability to go from like 50 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour is just, in an instant, it's just insane. Um, he's a supreme athlete, and I think he's a better basketball player. Struess has a, like, of all the meters, if you're doing like 2K, like Struess's three-point meter is higher than any of Javante Green's other meters other than jumping and dunking. But like, as far as a basketball skill, Struess has that one basketball skill that's, that's higher than Javante Green. But Green's ability to do everything. I saw people comparing him to Tony Allen. Uh, I don't know that Green is, is that level of defender. Uh, he, if he can become that level of defender, then that, can be super interesting as a guy coming in uh, off the bench uh, in emergency situations that if you need somebody, if somebody's just getting torched, if there's a guy that's just going off, a guard that's going off, you know, like you're playing the the Warriors and Steph Curry is doing his thing. And if Javante Green can be a high-level defender, then sure, unleash him and uh, his five fouls on Steph and see if you can – Get out there and, and and who knows? Maybe he could be a guy who changes the game it, weirdly from time to time. But I'll be honest with you, neither guy has done anything that makes me think, oh my God, we got to keep this guy. We're screwed if we don't keep this guy. I mean, it's still it's still an end of the bench. Like the, it's it's the fifteenth spot. So uh, if if they end up keeping Javante Green, that's fine. Uh, give him that 15th spot. That means he'll he'll end up going to Portland anyway and playing for the Red Claws. 
that Red Claws team's going to be so good. Jesus Christ, man. That <laughs> Tremont Waters going to be a point guard. If they keep I mean they could they could cut Struess and and sign him to that G League deal, although if you look around and you see that there's some sort of interest, uh maybe he signs a two-way deal with somebody else if he gets cut. That's possible. So, uh but uh, either way, one of those guys, Javante Green or Struess is going to be with the Red Claws. So Tremont, Green maybe, uh, Taco. I mean, that's that's going to be a hell of a G League team. In the meantime, the Celtics are off on Wednesday, so we'll be back here. We'll kind of use Wednesday to do a Thursday preseason kind of wrap-up podcast. And then, I don't know, Friday, there, there's going to be a practice on Thursday. The Celtics practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we'll kick off the week next week with a fresh set of podcasts with uh, what's been happening in practice. And then the NBA season is back. They start next week. The Celtics play the Sixers on Wednesday. Uh, I will be in Philly. Tom will be in Philly. We'll be there with the team. So stick around with the Locked On Celtics podcast. I want to thank everybody because I just checked the iTunes rankings, we are the number one Celtics podcast. We are the number three team-specific basketball podcast, and we're the number 20 overall basketball podcast. There's a ton of podcasts out there. There's like 20 Celtics podcasts, for God's sake. Uh, So this being the number one Celtics podcast on iTunes, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away. I am blown away. By the support and all of the, all of you listening, it's been just amazing. So thank you for that. To be that high in the rankings, I'm just, I mean, I, I, I don't even have the words. So just thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing. If you're new, I really appreciate you checking us out. This is the show. I'm the new host. I'm the only host for now, but I'll be joined from time to time by other people, Tom Westerholm, other people throughout the Celtics blogger sphere, the NBA sphere. Like we're, I'm going to get a bunch of people on the show. So thanks everybody. Uh, it, it's the variety I think is going to be good uh, for this podcast. So subscribe wherever podcasts exist. You regular listeners, keep pumping us up with those five-star reviews. I saw that we are a five-star rated podcast with almost 900 reviews. That is amazing. So keep doing that. All of you, thank you. That helps out so much. I mean, like I said, to be the number one rated podcast, that's why. Because all of you are giving us that five-star rating and those good written reviews. So keep doing that. Keep sharing the podcast. Tell people when they say, I don't have a Celtics podcast, you say, well, you should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network.